coexistence of like depravity and piety is something that seems like very critical to understanding Gilles de Ray and the way that he, well, the things that he ended up doing, uh, not to say that they, they, they sort of flowed out of his really religiosity. Um, but, uh, I know you linked that one paper, uh, what was it, uh, called sympathy for the devil. Um, mm-hmm. it was like yeah. Gilles Ray and his, uh, defenders or something like that. Yeah. That's um, an interesting meta paper that kind of talks about, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, what his defenders do and how, but also how people who aren't even necessarily defending him can sometimes exonerate him by kind of making him like his acts, like a symptom of, uh, society or making him kind of a symbol of some kind of other thing or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know, like, if that type of thing is, like, kind of part and parcel of, like, talking about, like, you know, d- doing things histor- like in a historical materialist way. Like, uh, that's mm-hmm. kind of, like, but, uh, you know, it still is an interesting, uh, you know, thing to sort of review, uh, sort of an interesting meta-analysis that he did. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think was, he, uh, he did have ben a... Parsons. Yeah, yeah Parsons. Yeah. He had he had some interesting like quotes of Bataille. Um, I'm not sure if he goes to later like kind of critique these yeah. and like undermine them, but he talks about um, like how you know uh, Bataille addresses the coexistence of piety and sacrilege in the career of his subject. Uh, indeed, even when Gill's uh, when Gill dedicated himself entirely to devil worship in the pursuit of quote power and wealth, he still believed he could quote prove himself an honest Christian and true Catholic. The last Easter before his arrest, for instance, he made a show of humility at the search uh, at the church of St. Trinité in Mashakul, giving or Mashasul, um, giving confession in the same place as parishioners of low status and in their company receiving the Eucharist. He also kept in his household a chapel of choristers, which he would carry with him on his journeys, and which he furnished with a great quantity of clothing and gold and silk, candlesticks, censers, crosses, dishes. As Michelet acidly comments, the poor wretch believed he had taken in God and devil at the same time. But for Bataille, such behavior reveals a greater truth about the late medieval Christianity itself. He reasons that if Gil... Uh, Gilles could carry out child murder and black magic without ceasing to be a good Catholic, then his conduct must already be implicit within his Catholicism. He writes, This bedlam is not contrary to the truest Christianity, which is always ready to forgive crime. Perhaps Christianity is even fundamentally the pressing demand for crime, the demand for the horror that in a sense it needs in order to forgive. Bataille's point here is that Gilles' offenses are an outgrowth of the core values of medieval Christianity. This culture actively required scandalous evil in order to sustain its own practices, the rituals of penitence and absolution, and Gilles answered this need. For Bataille, the Christianity of the Middle Ages effectively conjured Gilles de Ray in much the same way that the man himself, quote, made invocations or conjurations of evil spirits. Um, so that's a the definitely interest. I mean, Bataille's like, you know, analysis of that is yeah. interesting. At the same time, I don't know. I do feel a little bit of reticence toward the idea of, you know, uh, oh, yeah, like, you know, that basically it directly stems out an outgrowth of the core values of medieval Christianity. Yeah. And I also I don't know. like yeah. think, well, <laughs> that's the thing. Like we have people who kind of like do very similar things now uh you know and we also like so i think that 
you know, you like again, it's this re- like requires some kind of like uh, psychoanalytic, like sort of unconscious aspect to it, because certainly like the well, it's an interesting thing, but like that we can go into later, which is sort of uh, the way that Gilles de Ray's, uh repentance uh, at his trial was received and his sort of yeah. almost uh, sanctification after his death which is an interesting uh, wrinkle uh, or an interesting component to this that I think, you know, maybe some of those arguments are based on. Uh, Georges Bataille, by the way, is like the, you know, biggest like uh, modern kind of DeRay uh, biographer or the, mm-hmm. one of the, you know, big, uh, pa- like a uh, paramount uh, long form writers on, on DeRay. But um, like, uh, yeah, so I think that, yeah, again, like I am kind of of, uh, two minds about it where I think it's a tricky situation because I think that Bataille definitely goes uh, too far uh, in, a, in more than a few places <laughs> with it. On the other hand, like, you know, uh, there obviously, like, people are, like, you know, we live in a society, so, like, uh, the way that these things express themselves are, like, a function in some way of society, but I think that he's going a bit further. And, yeah, Parsons also calls out uh, another essay that I read that I, I found to be have a lot of interesting parts, but also to do something similar which is uh what i mentioned before it's a uh, confessions of a medieval sodomite uh in a, an edited mm-hmm. volume called perversion in the social relation uh by james penny and his uh essay really is like an intended creek of bataille um uh, it's all about how uh, a critique of bataille uh it's about how he uh you know sort of uh basically sees uh gilles de Ray as uh you know sort of the uh, the he basically has a reverse of what James Penny thinks it should be, uh, in this dynamic. Like, uh, Bataille feels that the audience, uh, you know, came to sort of, well, I guess maybe the best way to approach it is to sort of frame how this happens. So one thing that is, has intrigued a lot of historians about the trial is that at, like during the trial, when Gilles de Ray sort of confessed what he did in such extreme terms, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, admitted to what he did, uh, you know, so clearly and, uh, in such sort of, uh, extreme detail, uh, then the audience actually, you know, this kind of won some sympathy for the judges, uh, and also, especially from the, the cr- assembled crowd, including some of the people whose families were victimized by him, were then mm. kind of praying for his forgiveness. Um, mm. and, you know, the, uh, Bataille's argument kind of is that they uh, sort of knew that they were complicit in, you know, what he had done in some way. And that as a result of that, kind of like in line with what you had read uh, from the other thing, and that they were sort of, you know, uh, praying for him because they were uh, feeling their sort of complicity with him. Whereas Penny takes another tact, which is to say that they wanted to believe that they weren't guilty, but were in fact innocent and their association with his guilt was actually unconscious. And so that they prayed for him and they, uh, you know, came to see him, uh, as in some way holy because, uh, through his, uh, you know, confession of these extremely unholy and, uh, demonic things, uh, because Mm -hmm. they like, you know, maybe unconsciously had a sense of their guilt, but, uh, consciously, were uh wanting their innocence i'll uh try to read a uh yeah yeah i mean like uh, the the idea behind that is basically that you know if we can forgive this uh wealthy famous elite that did the absolute worst things imaginable 
then all of us are worthy of, you know, or candidates for salvation for all the horrible things we've done kind of thing on a subconscious level. Right. They basically have the same idea, but it's kind of different, uh, you know, um, like in terms of their analysis of it. Like, uh, so this is what uh, Penny says about it. Um, it becomes necessary to inquire after the type of object Gilles constituted for his confession's auditors. Bataille, for his part, attributes Gilles' apparent seduction of the crowd to a strange power of persuasion traceable, but not perfectly reducible, to the impressiveness of his feudal authority. Of what metaphysical attributes does his charismatic supplement consist? Bataille explains the compassion of the audience for Gilles de Ray by claiming that its members were able, during the trial, to realize through their tears that this great lord who was to die, being the most notorious of criminals, was like everyone in the crowd. But Penny has an alternative reading, which is that he had this attribute of transferential fascination over the crowd, not through his admissions of guilt, but rather through his protestations of innocence. What is so moving about Gilles is not the manner in which he presents an externalization of the public's guilty regret at having in some manner contributing, contributed, however unwittingly, to the children's grisly end. Instead, Gilles' strange charisma should be explained with reference to the means he provides to his audience to exercise these intuitions, to eradicate them through the unfurling of a beautiful image of divinely sanctioned purity. Gilles' furnishing to the audience of a means of escape from a messy interrogation of its own complicity in the demise of the children explains the apparent lack of any dissenting voices in the trial. Gilles is able to confess in such morbid detail precisely because he premises his testimony on an unshakable conviction in a properly metaphysical innocence, an innocence that remains pristinely independent of anything of the order of empirical reality and that paradoxically increases in consequence in direct proportion to the, quote, objective guilt Gilles accrues through the confessional narration of his crimes. From a historical perspective, one could even go so far as to say the decline of the rigid feudal social structure is a factor in this process. This is one of the more interesting parts of the essay to me. Insofar as the phenomenon of the emerging capitalist mode of production displaces the subject's critical agency from the external figure of the feudal superior, lord, guildmaster, etc., to a, quote, internal critique, uh, uh, critical voice of the bourgeois moderation and frugality. It might be Mm -hmm. said that a general cultural anxiety related to the subjectification or individuation of the moral voice in part contributed to the audience's inability to fashion a more autonomous, quote, responsible relation to Gilles' confession. In this view, at the historical moment of the trial, the feudal masses, subject to increasing urbanization and greater independence with respect to the landed lords, were confronted with the anxious hysteria to which their very relative freedom gave rise. Subject to the new abstract and unpredictable laws of commercial exchange that for us have long since become overfamiliar, the subject of Nantes came to recognize that the trial of Gilles de Ray presented the prospect of creating a kind of cult premised on both a covert nostalgia for the old, however oppressive, social certainties and the dissimulation of a traumatic yet irresistible enjoyment. So that's all very Lacanian, and wow. I don't fully agree with all of it, but that's like, mm-hmm. you know, and that is critiqued by Parsons as itself having some of the same problems as what Bataille has and sort of scapegoating, uh, you know, the society for, you know, the, uh, what, uh, what, uh, DeRay did, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. He, uh, and, and kind of getting away from, I don't know, the material significance of like, did he satanically sacrifice 150 children? Uh, because yeah, I mean, this I, guy for his part does say like very clearly that uh, he does think that he was guilty. Um, but you know, by uh, seeking God's forgiveness so fervently, 
and confessing so, you know, uh, extensively to what he did, uh, you know, and uh, trying to avoid excommunication, uh, Mm -hmm. he was able kind of to turn it around and achieve really. And it is like an interesting, like a conspicuous historical fact that, you know, compared to his comrade at arms, uh, Joan of Arc, Mm-hmm. He did become more saintly, like, more quickly after he died. Like, yeah. uh, you know, just nine years after his death, I think, or shortly after his death, like, a, a, an ancestor, uh, sorry, not an ancestor, a descendant of his, uh, you know, like, a, a niece or something, erected sort of exculpatory monument near his grave in Nantes, mm-hmm. uh, which yeah. is another thing, because, you know, he wasn't, because of the way he confessed and he begged for reconciliation to the church, you know, he wasn't fully burned. He was just singed yeah. and then yeah. rescued and from then, the fire and he was buried in holy ground, you know, in the church. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, he confessed, whereas Joan of Arc didn't really go so far in doing that. She didn't, like, you know, really... She kind of did, but she was like, no, I was afraid of the fire. You know, she kind of uh, waffled a little bit on admitting to being what she, uh, a heretic as she was accused of being. Whereas Gilles mm-hmm. de Ray went all in and was like, yes, I am a horrible Satanist. I'm a child murderer. You know, <laughs> I did all this stuff. Like, like basically, blah, blah, like, please you know? execute me. Please execute yeah. me. Uh, um, I, yeah, yeah. Like that kind of thing, which, uh, which weirdly, yeah, led to kind of like his, this kind of controlled rehabilitation of him after he died. And he became a symbol of, you're right, because there were a lot of, uh, I, I think we can circle back around to that in a little bit, of, like, a- actual changes in, like, the productive forces and the power structures going on at that time that kind of put uh, the, f- the old feudalist kind of structure that he had achieved so much glory, uh, you know, within that system, uh, kind of made it, you know, this outdated thing or something that would have to evolve, and he became, like, a convenient scapegoat opt for perhaps for the other all the other lords and the clergy and everybody else to kind of uh almost like sacrifice in a weird way to like it almost i mean it is almost like in a christian way like he it's like he died for everyone else's sins he died for the sins of the yeah. old feudal aristocracy so that they <laughs> could like have eternal life and still be a part of like the french power system but also, like, they're going to have to embrace, like, new values, and it's not just on this, like, swaggering chivalry and getting visions from the Archangel Michael, etc. For access to the full-length episode, subscribe to the Hour of Requisi at patreon.com slash subliminaljihad. 